welcome to the very first episode of ARC Audio Book Club. I'm Shivana Alessandro, and before I introduce the guests, I'd like to tell you a few things about this podcast, because this is your new portable book club, and also, this is the first episode ever. This new thing will happen at random hours, call it a pop-up podcast. And in this series of podcasts, different volunteers at our store will discuss and explore a new book every episode, and sometimes experts will tell us about theory and stuff we hadn't thought too much about until now. It's a new way of sharing the love of literature, because reading can be a lonely thing, and that's okay, but it's nice to have an outlet, a place to go and talk about it when you feel like doing so. And that's where book clubs can be a wonderful thing, but a meeting every other Tuesday might not suit everyone. So this is where we come into the picture. The idea is, we announce the book on our Facebook page. You rest to the store, or walk at a normal pace. You buy the book, you read it and you listen to the program, but we'll settle for two out of three. We'd like this to be a new way into our favorite books. Hopefully we'll be able to convince you to read them as well, either before or after you listen. But be warned, we will spoil away. Maybe you will totally disagree, or agree, who knows. But ideally you'll come to the shop, drink our coffee and continue the discussion. That's our ideal scenery. We want to do this with you and for you to do it with us. And the book for this episode is Ben Lerner's first novel from 2011 called Leaving the Atocha Station. Having said all that, it's time to introduce the crew of this episode. In the studio, which is essentially our back room of the shop, we got Manus Fries, who studies cross-cultural studies, Alexander Buxwinti, who studies comparative literature, and Macon Holt, student of cultural studies, and also the producer of this episode. Alex, uh, what is this book about? Um, the the novel is about an, um, an American poet called Adam Gordon, uh, who's the narrator of the novel, and perhaps even the author of the novel. Um, uh, Adam spends a year in, in Madrid on a scholarship to write a long-form poem on the Spanish Civil War. Uh, the story is told in, entirely through Gordon's uh, neurosis, self-loathing, and, and self-importance whilst he constantly consumes a heavy amount of prescription meds for his anxiety. Uh, and, and at the same time, he's also self-medicating with a lot of hash, alcohol, and, and caffeine. So basically, we enter a, a, a very unreliable and yet hilarious headspace. And during his day uh, in Madrid, he experiences sort of this peculiar excitement of being a foreigner, uh, two different romances with, with two completely different women, and, and the real-life event of the bombing of the Atoka station in, in 2004. But I mean, the, the story is not really the point. Uh, I think the point is rather sort of the exploration of his idiosyncratic perspective on art, his, his weird perspective on, on real events and, and his relationships. Um, but I mean, Giovanna, the, the, the book is damn funny. Um, so, yeah, so that, that is basically this, this, what happens in the book. Then there's some, uh, of course, there are some events that happens during the year, but mostly it's, uh, mostly it's what happens inside of Gordon's head that's interesting uh, and that lends this book its purpose, I feel. feel. Yeah, because he is deeply neurotic. Yeah, in a sense. <laughs> and yeah. over medicated mm. and mm. self absorbed. Which is interesting. I think that just gets onto the theme which um, I think we were, we've been talking about before, which is uh, potentiality in this. Because it's what well, he he's not, he's thinking of himself as a phony. So he knows that he's brilliant enough to convince people that he should be on this scholarship. But he's. He doesn't feel he's arrived yet. He doesn't feel he's actually earned it. And so, he, and the same happens with his thoughts on art. He uses the fact that he's not so good at Spanish to um, 
to have much more profound, potentially profound thoughts about art than uh, than having to make them concrete. And he hides behind it as well, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, because for him it's all about the potentiality of the situations and. If he's too good at Spanish, there will be no mystery about him and people will understand exactly what he means instead of having that experience of he might mean this, he might mean that, uh, and find that interesting. Um, yeah. What do you th- Can you relate to that? Uh, the yeah. potentiality before the actualization? Mm-hmm. No, for sure. And I thought that was one of the most interesting parts about this mm. thing, this entire this book. Uh, and what maybe the most most relatable thing is like his focus on potentiality. Uh, it's like it's very it's immediately recognizable in his like the way his relationships to the people around him, uh, how that works. Because for me at least, I feel like uh, you know relationships to people can be a lot of things inside of your head, uh, but once they turn into actual relationships, it's also it's always something mm. completely different. Yeah. Uh, and, and they sort of lose lose the, their potentiality by becoming mm. a specific mm. relationship. No, it's it's about, it's also about sort of that meeting the other and sort of meeting yourself through the other and the potentiality of yourself through the other. If that makes any sense, because I mean, I think that's what he's driving at with this whole self doubt thing is, and that's why I guess he likes the potentiality because he never actually does meet himself because when we look at his relationship with Isabella then um, they're happy until his Spanish starts to get better and better then he the discussions become worse and he gets frustrated about it because the discussions instead of remaining in that potential space um, transfer into an actual space where actual meaning is is passed Mm -hmm. back and forth Mm -hmm. and that's where he when he gets really frustrated because then he's suddenly suddenly meeting himself in, in some in that actual space, he's speaking in these kind of cryptic mm. um, half thoughts about art. Like, like he, there was one scene I can't remember where, he, where they're seeing tourists taking picture of um, of a painting, and mm. he says something just like to take a picture of a painting, and then he just imagines she's thinking about oh yes, Walter yeah. Benjamin and all yes. this kind of yes. uh, combination. But yeah, because he doesn't have to finish off the thought, doesn't actually have to say anything. Like so, so what? Like there, yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't have to then go like. And they shouldn't have memories that they hold on to. He just yeah. has, to, has to mention the title of, of Benjamin's essay, The Work mm. of Art in the Age of Mechanical Re- Reproduction. And then he assumes that Isabel will sort of grasp onto that and extrapolate meaning mm. from it. Mm. Yeah. Which and is, I, I guess it's a safe place to be. Yeah. And I, but I think it's interesting because it's sort of he is always be, uh, move, like moving between these positions. Because, you know, this entire story is told through uh, his perspective and as such... Uh, we never really uh, we get all his doubts like we are fed all his doubts and all his self doubts and every time he lies we we know about it and we are like it's shoved in our faces as readers mm. so we don't ever get to see him being actually good at anything mm. or clever or intelligent we just get his all the parts of about him that is neurotic and uh, like like he's lying all the, he lies all the time like mm-hmm. uh, nice. and so uh, but they're judging by the people around him. Uh, who obviously likes him and who always obviously treats him with a lot of respect. He's obviously a uh, a, a good poet. I mean, he mm. got a, he got the scholarship to go to uh, Madrid for a year, and during the book, he also he's also given like readings and he's been included in, in serious discussions and people take him seriously. So 
Yeah, he does hide behind this being cryptic. Mm. But the fact of the matter is that when he like his actual poems, uh, they uh, like they do they do have some worth apparently. Mm. It would seem. But that's also a thing. Um, the narrative, if we can rely on his narrative, if what he tells us is true, because he smokes a lot of weed and he's almost always high and very caffeinated and yes. on several of his white and mm. yellow pills. Um, yeah, maybe we should mention that he's constantly on these. Like the first scene, he's yeah. high at a museum and yeah. he is has caffeine in his blood, and I think. He might also have taken his tranquilizers, and he always carries these tranquilizers. And every morning, he takes these pills to mellow him out. But can we trust him because he is so neurotic? Well, I I don't know. I mean, I feel like when we, now we're talking about potentiality, I feel like the the, the potentiality is also sort of incarnated in the language um, of the novel. So. Looking at the way he uses were and at, mm. as a past yeah. subjunctive, yeah. Um, and how that translates into something that could be or mm. something that is imagined yeah. but is not really, which is then also works with the whole situation of translation. Yes. And, um, yes. And, and and his own interpretation of Spanish being yes. around him. I just want to um, read a little section from it, which I think gets a lot of these uh, these things in. Which is a section just after he's been ambushed into giving a reading at this um, at an art gallery. Two uh, people he's met uh, who work at the gallery: a brother and sister, Arteo and um, Arturo, 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 and uh, and Teresa. Yes. Um, and so this is shortly after after the reading, and he's uh, talking with um, some people outside, and they're debating about the politics of his poetry. Yes. One cannot overcome the commodification of language by fleeing into an imagined past the second smoker might have counted, which is the signature cultural fantasy of fascism. But rather, one must seek out new forms that configure future possibilities of language, which was what my work was somehow doing, unbeknownst to me, placing recycled archival material in provocative juxtapositions with contemporary speech. We were all in one group now, the smokers, many of whom were lighting second or third cigarettes, and it was clear that I was expected to weigh in. I said, or tried to say, that the tension between the two positions, their division, was perhaps itself the truth, a claim I could make no matter what the position, what the positions were. And I had the sense that smokers found this comment penetrating. I lit another, I lit another cigarette, I lit another cigarette to help my apriso sink in. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a great scene, and also <laughs> pinpoints also. I mean, how he's in the middle ground always. I mean, he also in the the conference, the panel thing that he does later. He also uh, memorizes certain sentences that he could say no matter what would be, would be said. So he sort of positions himself in this middle ground of not actually mm. having said something. He's very afraid of actually committing to saying something, mm. and as long as his, his Spanish is terrible. He can hide behind that. Yeah, he's safe. An interesting, uh, I think, parallel between like the broken language mm. is his is his poems, mm. uh, because poetry is also in a sense mm. a broken sort of broken language. Mm. Um, Not so a potential language. It's yeah. always about evoking and leaving mm. the thing very quickly. Yeah. It's not prose poetry. I mean, you mean potentiality for the reader, I guess, yeah, yeah, as reader, well. Yeah, the reader gets this information then you have to construct yeah exactly yeah. you sort of project or you could mm. project I think that might be the, th the single thing I enjoyed most about this book was the fact that like this combination of you know his broken Spanish and, and his poems mm -hmm. and this entire thing of moving between languages mm -hmm. uh, and you know being 
unable to solidify uh, meaning, I think, mm-hmm. uh, or uh, consciously avoiding it at all times. Mm-hmm. Because that's what he did in his poetry. He broke, he breaks language and sort of dissolves meaning. Mm. Uh, and as long as his Spanish is broken as well, his like meaning is sort of blurry as well. Mm-hmm. But he, um, I guess he. But I, I think that's a, a, an important point because um, another thing I think the book does is also sort of speak about history and especially uh, after the the bombing, people are already talking about the post Atocha bombing and the pre and the, and. How do you locate like historical meaning? Can we pinpoint a post and a pre uh, in this 2011 or 2004? Sorry, uh, bombing. I mean, how do we how do we understand history? But no one answered my question. If we can trust this guy, I'm. I, I think it's it's, it's a actually a, a a more complex question than can we trust like trust him for what? Do we, th- do, we, do, we, do, we, do we trust him for what is happening or trust him for? Um, his perspective or does he does he actually have access to how he's behaving does he have access to how he's feeling like are these actually his feelings or are they feelings that he's thinking that he should be having like that's like like to a certain extent i think i i trust i trust the account of the perception yeah okay yeah yeah mm. okay. um but i don't necessarily trust the actuality of events he's portraying no i don't think he's trying like in like i don't think he's trying to deceive anyone mm-hmm. um, but i'm pretty sure he is uh, delusional i don't know about the deceiving because to me there's three layers in this book mm. there is adam gordon in uh, madrid in 2004 and then there's the adam gordon who's writing this as an autobiography <laughs> uh, which is ironic <laughs> because at one point he uh, tells us he would never write a novel and then there is Ben Lerner writing this book. Um, Which is also s- somewhat autobiographical. Yeah, yeah. because Ben Lerner uh, went to Madrid on a poet scholarship, yes. Um, so there are the three layers of this book. Um, and I think this guy might be, well, the, the Adam Gordon guy, aged six years, um, might be trying to mess with us because he will be six years older. Uh, mm and can see this retrospectively yes, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. and can edit what happened and how uh, delusional he was and how neurotic he was. Um, so, well, I, but I'm, I'm, like, I'm hesitant to agree with that uh, because I don't, I mean, there's obviously, uh, we can discuss Ben Lerner's uh, intentions and so on, but if we, uh, like Adam's uh, intentions with this book, uh, like the fictional narrator, uh, I think, to me, it felt like sort of an as, an, uh, an honest account, even if it was sort of, uh, you know, I don't trust the narrator at all. I think his perspective on what happened is off by a pretty big margin, but I I think I trust him far enough to uh, believe that this was how he felt. Because mm. to you, the reader, he's very open when he's lying. Mm, exactly, and he like he puts yeah. it right in front of us. Yeah. Like, he, he, he will, like he finishes so many sentences with, I lied. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Like, like... Like, my mother was dead, I lied. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, he's very upfront about uh, his flaws. Yeah, but, yeah, does he have, like, self-recognition? I, I didn't find that he had that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he knows how he seems on people, or what kind of effect he has on them, because he's so stuck in his own head mm-hmm. that he can't really relate to other people. Uh, he's not very em- em- empathetic. Mm. No, he's, I mean, he's, he's very constantly self-aware and constantly sort of uh, measuring himself by constantly thinking that he's outside of himself. I mean, he mentions dozens of times how he sees himself walking down the street or 
sees himself flying in a plane, looking down at himself. I mean, he's very distanced from, and very preoccupied, I guess, with um, looking at himself, and and therefore not actually being able to. I think it's important at this point to to, hi- to highlight though how playful the book is about yeah. this, because right now this sounds like a drag. Mm. I'm just like, because <laughs> the book we're describing right now is like the the kind of layers we've gotten into. Like it sounds, it sounds very tiresome. Yes, yeah. and, and it's a very yes. fun and very light yes. book. Yeah. And all his all his comments about himself and mm. so on are entertaining and mm. are delightful. Hilarious. I mean, he's he's making fun of himself. Yeah, right? he's aware that he's an ass. Mm. Very yeah. aware, and that's but that's what worries him. Yeah. is that he has access to this information which he thinks is uniquely his that he thinks of himself as being a, j- a jackass, but he's not aware that anyone else might think about themselves in the same way. No, that's true. He doesn't have. He's not. Um, we have the uh, word in Danish called silly uni, self-irony. He's not ironic about himself. He wor- no, he worries, but he could be. He, could, he, worries, he worries about what the consequences of that would be because then he'd have to give up the illusion. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think it's, I mean, a fun point uh, that I noted is that like both his parents are psychologists. Yes, mm. that is. Which yeah. is also like, that ties into the entire, like how he comp- all the time the double mm. analyzes himself. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And it also says that he's been medicated like forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he medicates himself uh, to experience the distance that he has from himself, but more intense mm. because the further he can get away from himself, the better he feels, which is strange because at one point he suffers from panic attacks. And at one point he panics because he gets too far away from himself. Uh, and where the I becomes a he in the beginning mm-hmm. of the book. Yes. Mm. Uh, the only place in the book that it that it has that yeah which, confusion, which reminded me like a little bit, but not 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 very much, but a little. It just reminded me of the, the section towards the end of um, of American Psycho, uh, where the narrator, which has been first person for the entire novel, suddenly starts describing Patrick Bateman doing things abstractly from um, from himself, uh, and it's at a similar point of like um, of of intensity. Um, not similar reasons where he doesn't, you know. Ben Lerner never thinks he's being pursued by the police uh, for murder. Uh, but, but, um, he doesn't that, actually ever murder anyone. And he doesn't actually ever murder anyone, but that might also be the thing in American Psycho. Mm. He might not have killed anyone. Um, but I like the theme of potentiality and actualization, and I think once you see it, you can't really mm. unsee it because it's everywhere. It's on his mm. take on art and on poetics and on... Um, and on being a poet. Yeah, and on experience and on like experiencing his body through others and how they will be disappointed mm. when they mm. actually mm. experience yeah, his is... actualized body and then he needs a tranquilizer when he like realizes that. Is, is there a section uh, that um, someone can like read of, of that because there's a Yeah, I have like I've got this one place where he uh, talks about uh, making love to um Isabel Isabella or Teresa, I don't know. I think it's, no, it's Isabella. It's literally in the novel. <laughs> they seem like the same person, don't they? they Isabella sort of, and Teresa? Ah, no. no, they're no. not. The, I mean, I, but I, mean, I couldn't really tell I mean, them apart. No, no. They, they're not very distinct in my head or something. I, I, think, they're, I think they're quite distinct. I think, I think like, Isabel is just a, a nice person that he meets who is interested in these things. And Teresa is this kind of like cultural hotshot. She is a much more like outgoing, gregarious individual. Okay, yeah. And she is 
got way more involved in everything. Okay, yeah. And, sure. and, um, and Isabel is just a, a person that he meets who shares some interest and they have a nice time together and they... Uh, so yeah, the passage that we were... Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. I found this passage here uh, where uh, Adam, Adam is talking about his relationship to Isabel. And um, I'm just going to jump right into it. Our most intense and ostensibly intimate interactions were the effect of her imbuing my silences. The gaps out of which my Spanish was primarily composed with tremendous intellectual and aesthetic force. And I believe she imbued my body thus, finding every touch enhanced by ambiguity of intention as if it too required translation. And so each touch branched out became a variety of touches. Her experience of my body, I thought, was more her experience of her experience of her body, of its symphonic receptivity, ridiculous phrase, and my experience of my body was her experience once removed, which meant my body was dissolved, and that's all I'd ever really wanted from my body, such as it was. It's really fun because this is very uncoordinated, but I have exactly uh, underlined and highlighted the yes. the same yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, so sentences. Um, and I'm think. It's, can I just say a little bit because this was something I underlined the first time I read through this book mm -hmm. because I enjoyed that. Uh, approach to sexuality and to intimacy and then but the thing is this entire theme of potentiality I hadn't really paid attention to it like it was only after I read the book and I spoke with you Jiu, mm -hmm. and you told me about like he's obsessed with potentiality like sort of some something clicked into place for me uh, yeah I just think it's interesting you know potentiality is all over in this book but I hadn't noticed it my first read through mm. Actually. And it's funny again because I mean the use of the word ostensibly mm. intimate. I mean, <laughs> what's he worried about? <laughs> I think actually we should um, maybe we should talk about uh, the 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 desire to have real events. Yeah, I think yes. that's a good theme. Yeah, because actually we, we can't, this, we've talked about like things that could happen, but in this book something big does happen, which is the real-life bombing of the Atocha station. But before that, we get the phrase of the real-life experience. Mm. We get it as he uh, is uh, messaging his friend uh, online. His mm. friend is in Mexico mm. yeah. and has this... Uh, something terrible happens. Will you tell us about it, Manus? Yeah, sure. And he's mess instant messaging uh, his friend, who sort of a, bit, a, bit, a little bit beside himself uh, because he's been traveling with his girlfriend uh, in Mexico and then they witnessed someone drowning actually uh, and it was and he's sort of shook up about it uh, and the thing is his, his girlfriend is, has started writing about it he sort of uh, comments that like he feels like you know this was a horrible thing to happen mm. and you know you have let's talk about it and let's deal with it and his girlfriend instead wants to talk, wants to write about it, and like in instantly utilize this thing that happened in her writing. Hmm. Uh, and so, and she's a little bit excited about this. Yeah, she is actually, you know, she secretly. Is, and then she, yeah. I mean, that's the, that's at least the boyfriend's interpretation. Mm -hmm. It's like you know, in, instead of being shocked, he she instantly turns it into writing. And I think he's the one who says like she finally got her this real experience that mm. they she was looking for. Yeah, real life experience. But doesn't yeah. he also? I mean, doesn't he also long a little bit for this real experience? I mean, and that's the thing, you know. People go traveling and in search for this real experience, yeah. mm. whatever that is. Yeah. And then the point is like, 
once they actually witness something real, I'm making quotation marks with my fingers here, <laughs> happens, then it's like it's just not very nice. And like, he does, he, the, the friend doesn't enjoy it at all. No. And if this is real life and this is a real experience, he wants nothing of, wants nothing to do with it. <laughs> but the friend wasn't really looking for a real life experience, I think. I think it was the girlfriend who wanted that because it says that her dad was rich and she had sworn off the riches and was now squatting uh, with some artist friends and mm. didn't have any money. And that was exotic for her. Mm. So, uh, in other words, sort of a caricature of the bohemian life experiencing... Yeah, like many of the characters in this book feels a bit uh, like caricatures. I think so, yeah. And, and immediately uh, Cyrus, the, the guy, that uh, his, his friend, friend yeah. asks, how is it going in Spain? And the, mm. the, 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 the whole email, the correspondence mm. just cuts off and you just mm. get this blank space. You get mm. this feeling of, well, nothing's actually happening in Spain <laughs> for yep. me. I can't compete with that. Mm. No. And, I, and that's in, like, because that's, like, that's what we said in the beginning. You know, nothing really happens this year except for... Uh, it's completely huge. Yeah, I mean, there's this inside. There's this bombing that happens. Mm. Uh, but even though it happens, mm. uh, I mean, no, maybe we should save that a little bit. Yeah. I think it's. I think, I think this is maybe the time we like. We should, we should talk about this. So this is the act. He depicts um, waking up in a state mm. of like a ter- of like a huge hangover after his last the last night he ends up spending with Isabel. Yeah. In, after getting completely like freaked out on alcohol and. Drugs. Drugs, but then not the right drugs at the right time. Spending his Spend- parents' money. His, uh, yes, on a necklace for her, which he doesn't give her, um, a, 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 a new suit. Expensive dinner. And then the Ritz Hotel, which yeah. he does in this kind of performative thing of being an American who's just flown in. And they have sex in the hotel room, and that's all. And, they're hanging, they're and the amount of bottles they drink. Yes. I was counting and... <laughs> I lost count. I could never drink but that then much. He, so he wakes up in the morning and he goes yeah. out to get bread, but he then he finds out that there's this big thing that's happened. There's this big explosion, and he's sort of in this like he's hungover and sort of uh, you know beside yeah. himself, a little bit beside himself. But but the way he finds out, I mean, he goes out and into this bright day, or was it cloudy? He asks himself. He, he can't yeah. remember it. But and then he goes home and and immediately finds out what happened via uh, the he New York Times. He passes or, by the station. He passes by Does the he? Yeah. station. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because then he has this whole problem of like he can't quite remember if he saw body bags, yeah, exactly, later, yeah. or if he saw them on the street himself. But what happens? He leaves the hotel. He goes down the street, and like suddenly there's all these people uh, in the street mm-hmm. and looking scared, and mm-hmm. sort of something's going on. Yeah, uh, so it's like he's kind of he's, he's literally snapped. He's confronted with the, the, this real life event that that we are meant to be that you're meant to be pursuing, and he's you know. He has to get away from this kind of neurotic, self-medicating, self-loathing, um, obsessed with his own romantic relationship sort of space. And he doesn't particularly like it when he's there. <laughs> he's not so happy. But he's hasn't really, has he been looking for that real life experience? He's been looking for something that wasn't phony, that's for sure. Okay, so it's the search for authenticity. Yeah, but, um, and maybe he got too much all at once. Yeah. But, but then he, because but, it doesn't get him out of his own head. No, it no, doesn't get no. him into that momentum no, of no. doing something, experiencing. But, but that's like that is the thing, you know. You go looking for some real experience, but then if you actually sort of turn it into writing, instantly you like that is not a very uh, sympathetic uh, response to uh, some traumatic experience. Mm. You know, some instantly turning it into art. Mm. And actually, I think would and I'm, this is when when this happens when he experiences this. Mm. 
uh, or encounters all this uh, madness in the streets. What he does is he returns to his home, to his own apartment, mm. and you know goes further into his own head. Uh, like sort of he start, follows the event online, mm. but he is to me it felt like and I th- like he was very shook up about it. Mm. It really really affected him, mm. uh, and the way he reacted was by retreating into himself, like sort of mm. yeah. uh, cutting himself off even more. Do you identify with him? In a sense, yeah, I think so, yeah. But I mean, uh, I, I, um, who wouldn't? I think uh, everyone has these kind of, you know, doubt, self doubts and moments where they feel superior to everyone else, and they, everyone have have this. I think can recognize aspects of him in themselves. You know, I think it ties into the like this entire book. It can, comments on itself all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, he points out how ridiculous he is. He is aware aware that you know all this mm. uh, self loathing and self doubt and so on is a bit ridiculous, mm. but you know it's there and it doesn't make it easier to know that though. No, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, that's the. But he's, I mean, he's very acutely aware of because he speaks at one point about his about being aware of how his fraudulent fraudulence might be fraudulent mm. itself. So he has that double. <laughs> yeah, it's there all the time. <laughs> like. <laughs> But I mean, I I I I don't um, necessarily identify that much with him because I think, as you said, he's he's way over the top, and his preoccupiedness is is just. I mean, I can't follow him that far. He but just, it's impressive that he can go yeah. that far, being so medicated and yeah. taking tranquilizers and smoking so much weed mm. that he's still able to think. But I, I think maybe you know the thing that makes this guy a poet and a writer is the fact that he is this over the top. I mean, I think what some of them, the, I mean, I can relate to a lot of the stuff that goes on inside of Adam Gordon's head, I, all by not in quite as uh, extreme a fashion, maybe. I think, you know, he has taken all these emotions and, you know, put them into hyperbole. Mm. Hyper, mm. Uh, and, you know, and which is, I think, what, why he has to write or what makes him an artist, in a sense. Uh, you know, I, I can recognize some of these feelings, but they're not as extreme in me. Uh, so I'm not compelled to write a book or write poems or whatever. Mm, mm. Maybe and that that is some one of the thoughts I had about him. I mean, he is more extreme, uh, but he is recognizable in a sense. So I think we should probably say something about the, uh, the use of uh, pictures mm. in, in in the book, which is an unusual device. Um, well, throughout the book, um, pictures come up, and we I think we have different opinions about what these are doing. Um, and underneath the pictures is a caption, which is always some text from earlier on in the book mm. and it's very brief did you get it right away why he like why the pictures were included no no like, I mean I, I didn't either I, I, thought it was really, I thought it was really odd I yeah. thought it was really yeah. odd it and stands also, out and also I kind of didn't like it was only the second time reading through that I got that they were quotes like they were always quotes they always seemed familiar but they weren't like but we'll get to that and for me I felt they were just like he was being reminded of stuff and it was just like 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 fragmentary it wasn't necessary to make sense like it wasn't a single trigger, but something brought back a, a pastness, and so they they come at different. Like the first time it happens is very early in the book, and it's almost immediate. Mm. And then late throughout the book, the gaps get much wider. They kind of fold over each other. And what what do you guys think? I, don't know, I just the first time the first picture is on page eleven, uh, and it, I, when I I just sort of skipped past it. It didn't do anything for me the first mm. time I read it. I just thought, of, oh, that's that's a bit odd. 
<laughs> I mean, the first picture I, th I thought was easier to relate, relate to because you have the scene with the guy in the museum who's crying and having this profound experience, and then you have a guy crying. So, yeah, but I mean, I'm just, on, on a sort of very basic level, you just have like, okay, there's a piece of guy crying. With, so. Yeah, but I mean, you, you got literature, you got your words. You don't, <laughs> I mean, you don't need a picture. I can't even imagine someone crying. I, I, I just sort of skipped past it. I didn't. Mm -hmm. To me, it felt like the. The author, Adam Gordon, aged yeah, six, six years, years older, uh, was bullshitting us because he's saying I would never write a novel. And then he obviously does go on to writing this novel about himself later. Mm. And then he puts these pictures in, which seems so out of place. And uh, it's like, what does it say? One of them. It, yeah, all the, all the captions are. Yeah, it was like, this was a movie I would never seen. And. Uh, and the relationship I might have had with the in the flattering light of the subjunctive. And it's like, uh, like a picture of like a it was like an, an ancient hallway or, or something from a, a Spanish palace. Or they seem, I thought it was yeah. funny. I yeah. thought it was yeah. way of going screw you guys. Yeah. I did this anyway. I thought it was funny the second time through. Yeah, I think the first yeah. time I just sort of read past it. I didn't yeah. really, you know. There's this wonderful. There's this wonderful one um, on, on page 141, and it, it's uh, a picture of. But looks like a military dictator, which is probably Franco, given the theme of the book. And underneath it says, in in quote marks, uh, the proper names of leaders are distractions from concrete economic modes. Yeah, and just like let us like as our listeners like let that sing in. Actually, and then and then we go back to page page forty nine, where that where that line first appears in context. It is such an asshole line. <laughs> so he's he's walking around with um, Isabel, um, his 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 uh, first lover, in, in the in his adventure in Spain, and um, she's asking him about his project about the use of uh, poetry to to talk about historical events, and she says to him, "What makes the poem an effective form of historical investigation?" I inferred from the words of hers I understood. I was surprised <laughs> to find myself inclined to defend my a project I'd never clearly def um, delineated let alone plan to complete, as opposed to conceding its total vacuity. The language of poetry is the exact opposite of the language of mass media, I said meaninglessly. <laughs> but why are Americans studying Franco, she asked, gesturing towards a group of Americans being led around the Alcazar, instead of studying Bush? She said it as if every American tourist was planning a monograph on El Codillo. The proper name, and this is the line, the proper names of leaders are distractions from concrete economic modes. I was trying to sound deep, hoping Concrete and mode were cognates. My limited stock of verbs encouraged general pronouncements. Why aren't you studying the American economic mode? She was angry. Oh, you can't study a mode of production directly. And with my manner, I said, I'm delivering a fact so obvious it pains me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and, then, and then she says, I'm sure the people of Iraq are looking forward to your poem about Franco and his economy. Sure. It was the first unkind thing she'd ever said to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, and this is something, I mean, I hadn't noticed that. I mean, th but this caption for the picture on page 1100 and something. 144. Yeah. It's a, it's a direct quote from him, like, that he said himself earlier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but what does this go to illustrate? Because to me, he was just <laughs> taking the piss out of us. Well, in this moment, is, is when he's, um, it, the line below this is when he's talking about, um, he's being worried, he's worried that he's going to be found out as a fraud. Mm-hmm. And so he says, he, he, this is when he's uh, in Teresa's apartment. He's just after the bombing and he's feeling very insecure. And in that scene, he is anxious that he will be discovered to be a fraud. And this is his fraudulent moment. When he says, when he says to, when he said to Isabel, 
<laughs> the proper names of leaders are distractions from concrete economic modes. That's quite wonderful. And, I hadn't seen that. And he's like, he's very anxious about everything, and he realizes how vacuous he actually is. Especially because, I mean, his whole relationship with Isabel relies on her sort of not really understanding him, but sort of grasping something profound, and then she can make it yeah. profound in her head. But this is the first time mm. that he actually meets actuality. Yeah. And, and, and distinctly, in this scene where, where he relives this, or I think he's reliving this, he's speaking to uh, Teresa in English. Mm. So he's... And one, why? What he's, is he's, not able, he's not able to project any artifice. So if I can just... Mm. He's mm. speaking the tongue with which he can articulate anything. Mm. So if, um, I, if I can just add a, a, a reading to that... Um, just after the, the proper names of leaders are distractions from concrete economic modes, uh, what he says later down the page, what disturbed me as we walked was not that Isabel was pissed off and certainly not that she thought my project was absurd or that she found me to be a typical pretentious American, but that our exchange, despite my best efforts and perhaps for the first time, had involved much more of the actual than the, than the virtual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's an easy place to stay, right? In the potentiality it, of things. It's so hard to, to get away from it. Maybe we should mention that he has these... There's one thing I noticed the first time I read the book. is He has these uh, one or two page passages where his language sort of dissolves a little bit. Mm. Uh, or it becomes... It's been fairly straightforward the most, most part of the book. Mm. But then sometimes he sort of takes a time out and lets his language dissolve a little bit, or mm. uh, turn to the, you know, uh, I don't know. The dissolving of his language, for me, uh, I noticed it uh, the first time on page 64, um, which seems to break. Uh, and mm. Yeah, I'll underline that as well. Yeah, he's still in his head, so it's not like now it goes from dialogue to... Did you to, to read the, the passage? Oh yeah, but it lasts for like three uh, three pages, I think. Just, but just, it starts uh, with, during this period, like all periods of my life, were called forth to form a continuum, or at least a constellation. And so, far from forming the bland connective tissue between more eventful times, those times themselves became mere ligaments. Not the little lyric miracle and luminous branching injuries, but the other thing, whatever it was, was life and was falsified by any way of talking or writing or thinking that emphasized sharply localized occurrences in time. I don't get it. I, no, but well, this one I, think, I actually get. I yeah. think uh, this one is, yeah. uh, this one uh, I, I enjoyed it because like this is also talking about what is a real event and uh, he continues on, mm. this is his own uh, contemplation of what is a real event and what makes a life what, yeah, what, what, what constitutes a life? Mm. You know, is, is it all these highlights, these real events that we're talking about, like a girl, watching a girl drown or encountering terrorism mm. uh, or whatever? Because that is what we see in movies or what, like, you know, what... Uh, that, that is the present, that's how life is presented in many, many other mediums. You know, you're, you know, life is love and life is uh, all these huge experiences. That is where life happens. And he, what, but what he talks about here is that life actually happens in all the spaces between those real events. Mm. Uh, because he says, you know, we know about all these super passionate encounters, you know, real love is what we're chasing. Uh, but then once we actually encounter, if we encounter it, it, is, uh, it just becomes this almost a cliche, I think. Uh, mm. He says here, but such moments were equally impossible to represent precisely because they were ready-made literature, because the ease with, with which they could be represented entered and canceled the experience. He's talking about, you know, we know all these highlights mm. f 
from literature or from movies mm. or from you know our expectations I guess mm. uh, of life mm. you know we want we're chasing after all these real experiences uh, but you know they're ready made is what he's saying yeah uh, you know they're uh, life is what happens in between these things or mm. also between I think is, mm, is possibly is, yeah. is an important because um, there's something to something to do with the, with meaning that cannot be localized locally or in, in one point uh, like you can't localize a pre and a post 2004 March 11th March 11th um, the association Spain yeah. thing mm-hmm. I mean it's something about how, how do we understand things mm-hmm. and we always I think we're very good at, at reducing events and we're very good at reducing each other and we're very good at reducing things to simpler mm-hmm. localized meanings and I think that is what this is attacking mm-hmm. saying no we can't do this um, and we need to understand things in a perhaps a more multi- narrative aspect or, or mm. something else yeah, be, it, be it history or be it life or be it sort of events rejecting uh, yeah. the linear yeah. Yeah. exactly, yeah. And, exactly. Uh, and also you know yeah, yeah our postmodern yeah. Yeah. strain mm. our narratives are hin- like hinges upon these events that happen yes but then this is what he's trying to you know sort of move away from which is why this book also is I think uh, like, that's a nice part about this book is that this is actually he does this in his book Mm. You know, he, he doesn't highlight all the events. He talks, like, it becomes a flow. Okay, so I'm curious. Um, does this book raise any questions for you? Yes. Well, I think the, the very first question that we actually meet, I mean, this, this profound experience of art um, and art and history and, and how did these two things join if they ever join and what meaning does a poem have uh, after... Uh, the bombing of Atosha Station. I mean, like, like uh, poetry after Auschwitz is is barbarism. I mean, uh, mm. there's there's that it has that sort of question of of art and reality and uh, do these two the things of a life ever yeah. meet? Yeah, the the virtual and the actual. This this is a con- constant um, binary throughout the the entire mm. book. I think so. That's a a big question. I don't know if it it has an answer to it. I don't think it does. I think it has a potential answer. <laughs> in, in similar ways, I think it, it, it raises questions of what relationship art as a, has to has to politics, and then that takes you to questions of like ethics and but basically like how do you live? It, it, it's saying like what effect does this have on your life? And I think what's interesting with for me in this book is I actually think that it, it it's like a performative exercise in that. In, mm. in 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 that question because you you start off and you think okay that's a I mean you get yeah if you if you think about the the Financial Times review that mm. it's funny uplifting and moving you'll finish this book feeling a little clever and a little happier like this is like like a little like a like a caffeine filled um, paracetamol tablet <laughs> <laughs> and and because you know you you do finish thinking that was that was a that was a nice that was a nice thing to read mm. but. What happens later is you think you, you, you are you're haunted by the ideas of what your experience is, how you're presenting yourself. So I'm really curious because we all like this book uh, and we've praised it, um, but I want to know uh, what didn't work about it. Uh, well, uh, I'm gonna take this one. Uh, I, I think it like this this narrator, this Adam Gordon guy, is sort of he feels archetypical, archetypical in a in a sense. Uh, he's, he's a little bit uh, predictable uh, in a, in the way that I like. I feel like he's sort of this. Uh, yeah, he's a poet who's at the same time neurotic and also super fond of his own work. You know, he's 
I feel like this book appeals to a very certain segment of people, in a sense. You know, people who's who has writing ambitions themselves, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, and the, so in in that sense, it felt to me the story in itself and Adam Gordon in itself as a character is just not super interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an enjoyable read, uh, mm-hmm. but I just felt like, yeah, okay, I've seen this character before, uh, and it, I can see how it appeals mm-hmm. to uh, maybe our segment, <laughs> which is also, sort of also what makes it boring, a little bit boring to me. There, there is, there is that thing of like it's um like a, a, an unsympathetic view of it. It was like, oh, this is like MFA writer, does MFA, a master of fine arts like lecturer, like does teachers in this program gets his grants, does his little writing. Yeah, you can, you can get that kind of yeah. yeah. You but can. I, I think I mean I, I I agree with you to some extent that that perhaps this might be a cliche, and there are a lot of uh, these Kunstler roman types out there where you have where you follow the uh, the young poet or the young artist um, or the musician and, and so on but I just felt that this book took that cliche and actually made it worthwhile uh, because it took it a step further because I think that Adam Gordon with his um, thoughts of himself being sort of born between mirrors his whole thoughts about um, potentiality actually take this seed of doubt that we all have that one step further that makes it interesting and that that mm. makes me buy into the cliche uh, if we're going to call it that more mm. easily um, yeah would you recommend this book I, w- I would yeah I would recommend it okay. uh, I mean it's uh, I think it's a good book for sure mm-hmm. uh, and without having read a ton of poetry myself I think it talks about poetry in a very uh, interesting and uh, engaging way and yeah. I think it's a quick read so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 get, you get it. Nothing else. <laughs> no, but I enjoyed it. I, def- I definitely enjoyed it for yeah. sure. No doubt about it. I, I would definitely recommend it. I think it's it's because as I said in the very beginning, it's just so hilarious. I mean, mm. just for that alone, uh, it's worth recommending. And, and also I think because we should it, emphasize how fun this book <laughs> yes. is. Yes, at this point, it's definitely yeah. important. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's been able to. You know, if people can hear it. I, I, maybe. Some of the quotes, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. Would you recommend it? I would. I would recommend it. I uh, have recommended it in I, my I shop so too. far. Yeah. <laughs> and we are to all of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So thank you for having listened. We hope to see you for coffee in the shop and further conversations. Or you can go to our Facebook page and tell us what you think. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the books. You can use the hashtag ArcAudio. Next book we discuss will be Miranda July's The First Bad Man. Mm-hmm.